This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we discuss Project Astra and how NetApp containerized ONTAP. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipok. Zipok. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house uh, doing a podcast with a bevy of people. Um, We're here to talk about the new project Astra. And to do that, I've invited several people. And one of those people is uh, an honorary guest co-host, Phoebe Go. Hi, Phoebe. What do you do? How do I reach you? I'm Phoebe Go. I am in our technical team enablement office. Uh, Pretty much what that means is I represent our uh, field pre-sales engineers and our technical PS folk um, to the rest of the, the business. Uh, and we also look at enablement, so things like training and um, skilling up those people on what's new and exciting, like what we're talking about today. Cool. How would we contact you if we wished to do that? Oh, there's like a million ways. Probably the easiest is to at me on Twitter, so at Phoebe Go. Uh, though I respond to WhatsApp, email, um, I'm sure I have a Facebook account somewhere as well. <laughs> I, w- I would imagine that we just say the word Phoebe Go and you appear. Yeah, three three times, turn around clockwise, and then I'll, I'll be there with some useful advice or a really bad dad joke. A dad joke is pretty impressive. Uh, so it's funny because Phoebe used to join it from uh, Australia. And when we do the podcast, it'd be like three in the morning and I'd feel bad. But now she doesn't have to do that anymore. She's on Central Time here in America. <laughs> Yes, Eastern time actually. So I am, I am like awake before the rest of the United States, which is kind of funny because it was the other way around when I was in Australia. But I'm glad to be here. Awesome. All right, so we're gonna now go by time zone here. Um, so Yonsi is uh, joining us from. Um, I don't know. I would imagine it's fairly sunny there in Iceland. So Yonsi Stefansson is here. Yonsi, what do you do? How do we reach you? Yeah, I'm uh, the CTO and VP of engineering for our cloud data services. And uh, I think it's uh, easiest to probably reach me on LinkedIn or or via email. Excellent. So um, I had the pleasure of visiting Iceland last year and I loved it there. And I can't stop thinking about Iceland and I'm very jealous that you get to be quarantined there and I don't. Yeah, uh, we. I think uh, we handled uh, the coronavirus uh, really well here in Iceland without, uh, you know, a massive lockdown. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, you guys. I mean, it's pretty spread out there as far as uh, space and people, so you you can get away from people if you need to. Yeah, easily. Two-meter distance is uh, not a problem. Excellent. All right, um, so also with us today, time zone-wise, I I guess uh, Jeff Prem would be next. So, so Jeff, um, where are you? What do you do? How do we reach you? Hey, I'm in sunny Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I'm the VP of Engineering and Chief Architect uh, for uh, ONTAP, Chief Architect for ONTAP, and I'm running the engineering team that does uh, the, all the data playing for it, what we're calling Project Astra and what we're going to talk about here today. So you, you, said sunny, you said sunny Pittsburgh. Is that snowy Pittsburgh? Uh, it's sometimes sunny is really what it's all about, but today <laughs> it's actually sunny. So Okay, good. So uh, how do I reach you, Jeff? Um, email jeff.prem at netapp.com or LinkedIn. All right. And last but not least, just because he's on the West Coast, uh, Eric Hahn. Hi, Eric. Hi. Good to be here with everyone. Hi, Justin. So, Eric, what do you do? How do we reach you? 
Yeah, I am running product management on Astra and some other things. And you can reach me at radio underscore Eric at Twitter. All right. Twitter, so. Radio Eric. So why is it radio? Is it ham radio? Is it like college DJ radio? Are you like a moonlighting as a, as a late night DJ? I think growing up, I listened to a lot of radio. And so it's probably more that my, my age, my generation than anything. Oh, okay. So I don't think there's going to be any more radio underscores for a long time. That's true. I see Eric's got a guitar on the wall there. Um, you going to play us a song later? I will, but it's not going to be, uh, I'm not that good. It's easier to buy a guitar than play the guitar. Very few of us are. All right. So um, again, we're here to talk about Project Astra. And to do that, we want to start out just by talking about what it is in general. So uh, I guess, Eric, if you could, since you're the product manager here of that, could you tell us what Project Astra is in a 10,000 foot view uh, for everybody out there? Yeah, I think it's important for us to communicate a few things about Astra. It's that as a project, we thought it was important to engage the ecosystem. So that's something we've done by doing Project Astra. And what it's uniquely solving is around the application data management space. And the, the pain point or the question that you know we want to engage with the community and everyone on is Kubernetes is the future. It's how people are running apps. But it's still too hard to run a lot of those data-rich workloads. So how do we address, how do we solve it, both from a NetApp perspective, but working with customers and just working with everyone in general. So Project Astra is solving the or giving a perspective on how to solve application data management in Kubernetes. And so the point is, if we are successful, if everyone has a chance to experience it the way we think it's possible, we should be able to run all our workloads inside Kubernetes. Does that help you, Justin? That helps me. I hope it helps everybody else, too. So we'll we'll, get, we'll go a little deeper here to talk about Project Astra as well. And you know what we want to do is we want to get an idea of why, like what 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 kind of spawned Project Astra? Because from my perspective, and you know for years NetApp has been known as a storage company. Now we've kind of made the transition from a storage company to a data uh, management company and a cloud company. Um, who, the part part of the reason why is we you know we've done things like acquire companies like GreenCloud and Yonsei Stephenson came over in that acquisition. So Yonsei, um, I'm sure you've been pivotal in this transformation. So why did we even go to the Project Astro route? So uh, I actually think well I know it all started with our sort of en- engineering collaboration when we were building the world first first party service uh, for Azure. And then Google followed suit, followed suit, and then AWS. And the engineering collaboration has been getting deeper and better. And they've been asking us to solve more and more of you know associated services. To uh, it started off just providing the file services, you know, uh, and we wrote and created the, the service delivery engine, which was kind of uh, the GreenCloud IP, and that was all running in Kubernetes. So basically. Day three after the acquisition, I tracked down Jeff, who was the chief architect of uh, ONTAP, and I started saying, dude, it would be wonderful to actually, it would be awesome to get, you know, be able to manage everything within the Kubernetes construct, you know, natively from Kubernetes. And I started like pescaring him on every day, like, dude, let's containerize ONTAP or containerize Waffle. And he was like, well, yeah, it can't be done. It's not a huge task. You know, Microsoft and Google, they actually wanted us to be able to do that, to, to go further with them, go on to Azure Stack, go on to Azure Edge, go into Google Anthos, and really solve that data gravity issue. 
you know, stateful applications have been treated like second-rated citizens within Kubernetes. Kubernetes sold the application portability. Kubernetes won. Everybody is all in in Kubernetes. And you were no longer dealing with that OVA formatted uh, or, or VM for, format differences between on-premise and all the public clouds. This sort of uh, really started uh, uh, the collaboration. And uh, it was actually in, uh, at Insight, our conference, where Jeff pulled me aside and said, dude, we actually did it. We actually have, we have containerized it. And that was sort of the, the beginning of it. And then we went down and did the scale out solution with uh, Google. And, uh, you know, the rest is hopefully history because we are solving the biggest problem in Kubernetes to date, which is uh, stateful applications and solving and making them as portable as stateless. So why did we go with Project Azure to begin with? I mean, we already had NetApp Kubernetes services. What happened with that? Look at where we started. We started collaborating with all the hyperscalers. They then that elevated towards us bringing this on premise where we had a competing offer. You know, are we going to go by NetApp strengths of being agnostic and being able to work with everybody? Or are we going to have a competing Kubernetes service? You know, we want to build and, uh, you know, rely on our strengths. So it was a very logical decision. We got really valuable uh, learnings from, uh, you know, marrying stack points, cluster management, and green clouds application lifecycle management. And uh, we learned a lot from it. And we take to have taken full advantage of that on the sort of north side of Project Astra. And everybody's, you know, busy working on that. So it was a business decision. You know, we wanted to open up our partner network. We wanted to partner with, we want to partner with Ramchair, Windriver, OpenShift, Anthos, Azure Arc, Outpost. It's kind of hard when you have a competing offer, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and you know, one of the criticisms I would hear is that, oh, you have this, everyone has their own Kubernetes service and it's, yes. it's proprietary to their company. And how is that useful mm -hmm. to people who don't have NetApp things? And it, it opens up new customers and new markets, I believe. Yeah, Absolutely. So it's interesting, um, years ago, me, when Andrew Sullivan and Glenn Sizemore were with us on the podcast, we used to have discussions in the in the pod, podcast room. It's like, man, wouldn't it be cool if we could containerize ONTAP? And, you know, <laughs> we we understand why that might be a good idea. Um, mm -hmm. But can you give me your description of why you thought that was a good idea? Well, I think, uh, and I mean, this goes into why I sold my company to NetApp, because I think that uh, the innovation of uh, the, the, the last 27 years of uh, ONTAP put them into a unique position in solving that uh, problem. And uh, I had a very Kubernetes-centric approach on everything. And uh, when, when, when uh, we started collaborating, Microsoft, NetApp, and GreenCloud on, 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 on creating that offering, uh, I think one of the, you know, NetApp is agnostic, has always been agnostic. You've been able to, uh, you know, partner with everybody. But you've always been sort of bound to that hardware piece. And I want, we wanted, and this is the sort of joint uh, uh, view that we have is, we want everybody to, to enjoy uh, the data management, the unmatched data management capabilities of ONTAP, no matter what you have in the background and or have in the backend. You know, like uh, uh, EBS, 
Google PDs and Azure PDs are completely different than, uh, that we had to solve for because we wanted to run it everywhere. And by doing that, we solved for the issue of even you can lift, you would be able to go to Best Buy and buy a JBot and, and get the data management capabilities. You won't get the performance or maybe the SLAs or SLOs, but you will still get the data management capabilities for your development testing environments. And then Astra can communicate to an on top, uh, you know, your on top estate as well. So this is this is basically a step into the modern world for NetApp, in my opinion. So, so for me, the containerization piece was uh, more about taking the things that we weren't using in ONTAP. Because you know, what's great about ONTAP is it can do a lot of different things. It's kind of a Swiss Army knife. But yeah. you don't often need all those capabilities for every use case. So containerization brings us the ability to separate those out and you know maybe run the things that only we need instead of having the overhead of other things that maybe we don't. Um, so Jeff, you know, Yonzi came to you and he came bugging and bugging and bugging. Um, so what was your response initially? And then how did you address those challenges? Yeah, so, you know, I, I think we had... Um, a journey that we've been on with with ONTAP for a long time, right? For, for, for the longest time, I've been super excited by all the places we've, we've been able to take ONTAP um, over multiple generations. And, you know, our last stop was to run ONTAP inside a, a VM, right? So with product, products like ONTAP Select or our Cloud Volumes ONTAP product, we could take all the goodness of, of ONTAP and run it in a new ecosystem on commodity hardware or in a public cloud. Right. Um, but that was still allowed us to preserve our sort of embedded system view of the world. Um, there was some really interesting work done to prototype pulling parts of ONTAP out to run in Linux user space. And that was really the, 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 the genesis of this idea. And that, that was um, something that we were experimenting with for some time. Um, and it really was this convergence of sort of Yancey coming to ask um, us having a need in our cloud volume service to, to implement something that's really fundamentally different than the way that ONTAP is structured today. And, and, and from a container uh, perspective, I think beyond just stripping things out, it's also about Kubernetes being a preferred environment for deploying a system like ONTAP when it's running as a service. So when we, we started to develop the cloud volume service uh, a variant of, of, of ONTAP, then uh, you know it, it was all about how we could run that service inside public clouds in a portable way across multiple public clouds and get all the orchestration and scale and 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 essentially um, you know control benefits of of um, Kubernetes. Even though in that instance we're serving external clients that might want to do an NFS um, mount or you know access a, an SMB share. So even though our clients in that world were not using. Uh, Kubernetes for their end systems necessarily. We were providing a, a, a generic file service. We wanted to use Kubernetes for, for our own control plane because it just makes sense. And so then it wasn't a, you know, a big leap to go from there, uh, being able to deploy our core IP inside Kubernetes to say, hey, we can also serve Kubernetes applications from that same base. And that's really how we sort of got to where we are today with Project Astra. Excellent. So I know that with container, like, like things like Docker containers and, you know, other sort of containerized technologies, there has to be a background base, like, you know, for example, having something like system D for containers. Um, I would imagine that with containerization of ONTAP, you have to kind of do something similar. So how, how are we handling that particular shared resource piece? So the, the, we're using Kubernetes itself as a native um, application for Kubernetes. So we're using the, the, the facilities that are provided by its own config management, etcd, and so on. We're extending via CRDs. So when you experience 
um, uh, Project Astra, it's as a native Kubernetes ex extension. So um, now the core pieces of the technology that is actually providing the, 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 the data management service is um, uh, essentially a, a process or set of processes running in a pod that are the core uh, uh, ONTAP uh, IP that's running in inside Kubernetes as a native application. And so, you know, this is where our file system, things that might be familiar to, to ONTAP uh, customers like Waffle, our data management capabilities are running, um, and our file system access technologies are running. So it's, it's, it's structured as a classic Kubernetes application with Kubernetes extensions so that you can consume it, um, access it, configure it as a Kubernetes um, entity. Yeah, I mean, I, I asked the technical details. I know that most people aren't going to care. They're just going to want to consume the storage. But our audience generally likes to skew technical. So that's that's why I get a little deeper into the weeds than you're probably normally sure. going to get with, with your customer uh, engagements. And uh, one thing, one thing uh, that uh, uh, is important to add is that we are taking full advantage. Uh, you know, CDOT. CDOT is a monolith that uh, Jeff team, Jeff's team has been able to break up and instead of building all these components into uh, multiple parts, you take a full advantage of the Kubernetes ecosystem, such as you know high availability. You're using stateful and stateless replica sets for that. You're tapping into the load balancer. That all, all of all the network configurations, load balancers, high availability, shared storage. That was all built in. Now we're actually you know making it so thin that we can actually start running it on far edge, you know, that's, we, we want to be able to bridge the gap between edge, core, and cloud. And that's the, the, the promise of Pro Project Astra. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point, uh, Yancy. So we were looking at stripping out all of the extraneous stuff that is really necessary and, and awesome infrastructure when we're deploying on, on, on hardware that we're, we're on tap is sold as, a, as an appliance or a cluster appliance, but really focusing in this world on um, just the core, the core things that users experience, the actual data management capabilities, ability to snapshot and clone or migrate data or replicate data or access, access file systems or access the data directly and then having that super high resilience uh, and high performance uh, file system that we have also built into, to, to uh, on tap, but stripping everything else out. And, and the, net, the goal was linear scalability so that, you know, we're not bound to the, but to any particular clustering concepts that might be built into ONTAP on, you know, as, as it's deployed on, on appliances. But you can spin up as many of these instances of, of ONTAP pods as you want, limited only by the ecosystem that you're deploying it in. So there's, it, it, it was really focused on linear scale, which is how we got to this sort of design model. One of the things about Kubernetes is that, um, you know, managed Kubernetes services are one of those places where, where it takes a lot of that lift, heavy lifting out of setting up a Kubernetes cluster for, for you know, running those workloads. Is there a way that, um, you know, in an engineering construct, you know, we can use whichever load balancer that Kubernetes distribution has decided is the one that they're going to go with? Or do we have some preferred architectures when it comes to those sorts of things? I, I would say, uh, Phoebe, that that's an important point, and I feel like, um, you know, you want to correct me if you're going to say something different. I think the world is moving towards where the control planes really have to be in the user's hands. And so there's a, there is a management aspect, there is a benefit, but if we want to look at a wide range of the problems we're solving, uh, there is a need for customers to say, I want to run GitOps, or I want to build in a certain style, and I'm going to write the Python or the glue, and how do I not worry about the data management? Can we use Astra. So we want to hook into those control planes. So do we hook into a managed service, right? I think that is something that we are already doing and early access customers can experience. Uh, 
and that's an important continuation. But going back to some of the earlier discussions Yogi and Jeff were having, I would say it's exactly what they were saying about how to improve the ability to access these ONTAP features. I also would add that it's also about improving what the Kubernetes user wants and is going to get. And so the example here is the application integrations, which is me taking a riff on your question, Phoebe. So if I'm running and I don't want to understand or I don't have a way to understand how applications are failing over how data is protected, could I get it as a menu of services that then provide me the right level of failover protection at the data level? Can I get it from uh, the data services around things like encryption? And also, can we do it from an application integrated point of view, not just awareness? So do I have the ability to understand how to make application backups consistent and to think about it in a way that I'm suddenly portable? So I just wanted to point out that there's a lot of things happening at the application layer. There's a lot of things happening at the data path layer and the control plan throughout. And to your point, I do think we want to work with the managed services. We are working with the managed services. Uh, and what we're providing is the data management portion. So there is a whole bunch of things I would want to add there. But um, you want to see anything you wanted to add? No, I mean, I think I think that was perfect. I mean, one of the things that we were really, really adamant about was that uh, this is going to be native to Kubernetes. Anybody that is familiar with Kubernetes doesn't have to punch out to any other storage operating system or, or, or do all the config. It will be done for you and it allows you to sort of have a single endpoint and but multiple storage classes by taking advantage of you know limitations on each one of the on, on, on each one of the storage classes and have one storage backend offering you know bronze, silver, gold, platinum, whatever you want. And then we will tell you where those applications fit into which storage class. We will also allow you to go into, and this is, this is very important because even if you have a brownfield, if you have OpenShift, you have Rancher, you have Anthos, you have Azure Stack, you've already selected your underlying infrastructure. We can actually go in, deploy, automatically discover all your stateful applications and map up what data management capabilities it actually has. And then tease you a little bit by showing all the great out items because you don't have Astra. That to me is, uh, you know, you have to tease a little. So uh, 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 that to me is really important that uh, this is not just a greenfield opportunity and you having to redesign everything you have done. You can actually deploy this on your existing Kubernetes cluster. Am I to understand that if I were to have a brownfield, that it would be pretty easy to migrate to something like Astra? Is there a, a, a large overhead? Is there any sort of disruption when that happens? I mean, how do, how do I go from what I'm using today to like something like Project Astra? Yeah, sadly, we haven't been able to figure out a way to break the laws of physics, but... Uh, uh, Gotta get uh, on that, Ant, you see. <laughs> you know, but... Uh, uh, the, 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 we are making it as seamless as possible. But it does require you to, you know, add additional PDs or select empty PDs in order to deploy Astra on, and then the migration is going to take place. Uh, you know, uh, so we're trying to make it as easy as possible, but it's very hard to do, you know, seamlessly and without disruption. I think one of the things, right, with containers is that standing up a new Kubernetes cluster is not the end of the world as well. It's the, um, you know, we, we moved away from it having a prod dev Q 
QA test Kubernetes thing like we did with on-premises to having lots and lots of Kubernetes clusters. So what, what I think is really interesting is that something like Project Astra doesn't really care whether your prod and your dev and your QA instances of Kubernetes are different. The data management capabilities that you, you want will be available in all of them wherever they happen to be living or whoever happens to be um, running applications on them. Yeah, but I mean, the, the, the wonderful thing with Kubernetes and Service Mesh and, you know, Istio and LinkedIn and all of that, you can actually solve, you know, you can you can make that transition without disruption. But we are not saying that, uh, that uh, you don't have to do any work, but it's easy to actually solve for. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you can actually just deploy a, uh, uh, part of it if you're using like canary deployments you want to test the performance and the data management capabilities and a segment of your customer base uh, goes into the new deployment versus the old so it's actually quite easy to solve for and that's why kubernetes is beautiful uh, but uh, you know uh, I, I i mean i love the 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 cncf survey from last november right derek so 78 percent of of uh, those who are running Kubernetes, and th these are Fortune 500 companies, 78 percent of them are use are, are running it in production, but only there's there's stateless applications. Four, I think it was only four percent that were actually using stateful applications in in uh, in production. So it screams at you what the problem is. And to me, it sort of defeats the purpose. If you want to go all in in Kubernetes, you want to have that single way of deploying your full application stack all within Kubernetes, not like most customers are actually doing it today, where they have their stateful or their databases or their key value store running on VMs outside of Kubernetes or on top of database as a service in the hyperscapers. That sort of destroys you, uh, destroys the, the goal of having a unified way of deploying it no matter where it goes. You know, we want to unify that. We want to upgrade stateful applications from being a second-rated citizen in Kubernetes, you know, into becoming, you know, the norm. So earlier you mentioned that you declared that Kubernetes had won. Um, yeah. So it, it, what that means is... Everybody now is going to focus on their own specific Kubernetes-centric uh, solutions. So where does the NetApp solution, the Project Astra solution, stand out as opposed to what other people are doing? It's important to identify what others are doing and how we fit in, right? And some of this, let's use Phoebe's example. Uh, some are providing a managed experience, so they'll say, hey, you don't want to worry about the versions and what version you're running on, and we'll upgrade for you. Uh, I think from a technology point of view, Tectonic did it very well, right? The, the core OS, where they would do a side-by-side. -side. But outside of that, if you look at the public clouds, some have that promise, yet they're lagging way far behind in terms of what, what distro Kubernetes they're running. So there's those in the ecosystem that want to fulfill it, and some are doing better than others. And then there's those who want to give you a multi-distro multi control plane, and you know, Tanzu is a, is a great example of that. And I think those are all addressing a different problem space. For us, it's really about the completing that last mile for if I'm doing a digital transformation or if I'm building a set of real-time services, it's impossible to do that without understanding how Kafka, how Postgres, Cassandra, how they all interplay 
how they wire together. And what you end up finding is customers spend more time building the pipelines than actually executing in the pipelines. And that's not a good, good situation to be in. So from our perspective, it's the next set of services and experiences that can be enabled. And those other complementary offerings like Atanzu, they're good tie-ins or good potential tie-ins is what I would say. So from our perspective, it's it's really about there's a difference in Astra focusing on the application data management, being able to work with all the controlled planes. Obviously, we have to start making some choices, uh, but the intent here is to be available to all. And so as we go through, that's where we're actually working with customers uh, who have been reaching out to us in droves in the sense of they're doing these new banking style use cases. They're thinking about how do they run uh, across geos and they want that capability. Uh, and so that's that's the important part. I have a question um, just around, you know, these stateful applications. I think, um, I mean, I guess aside from we've talked about databases before, uh, a lot of the traditional databases moving into more of a container-friendly database where you used to have, you know, one or two big VMs that were running your database, but now we're moving to more of a distributed data, NoSQL approach. Is that something, I mean, are we focusing on those workloads from a Project Astra? When you talk about application life data lifecycle management, is it, different protecting those than it is from protecting your oracles or your SQLs or your uh, MariaDBs? Or is it, are we taking the same kinds of ideas and, and just applying them to these new modern databases? This is, uh, in my opinion, the beauty of doing it the way we are doing it. You know, having the preview, you know, it's basically an alpha preview, uh, you know, and uh, working with all these customers, getting engineering feedback, getting uh, sort of uh, what workloads they are wanting to introduce into Kubernetes that they are running outside of the Kubernetes construct today. So we're getting a lot of valuable feedback, you know, on both key value store or traditional databases, NoSQL or SQL databases. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big mixture of uh, different workloads, but this is why it's so valuable to have those close relationships with the, the, the initial customers or the preview customers. I think that's, that's a great point. Some of the preview customers have been asking, how do they rationalize those differences to your example, Phoebe? And so I think there's, there's something that we have to consider as an ecosystem. That's If I look at it from a persistent storage point of view, what can you provide? Then you start to think about the oracles or the more relational style. But there is an important place for operators. So what I, I hope happens is that working with customers and those application data stores, we're able to say, these are common patterns that everyone should have. And you can opt in, opt out, but the moment we do custom resources and operators, suddenly we break compatibility or we break the promise in if we're not too careful. So I'm not saying it's broken, I'm saying we have the risk. So I think from our perspective, uh, it's pretty straightforward what we would do for a relational system. The sharded systems like NoSQLs that uh, they also have an important role to play. So they tend to think of things as a Cassandra ring and how do we provide that amount of IOPS to the ring. And so we have an opportunity to provide that kind of level of performance protection. And then when it comes to the evolution of that question, the evolution for me is what do we do with application specs that want to provide their own special implementation, which they should, and how do we highlight that so users don't find that as they migrate across systems, they're suddenly at risk, right? So there's an evolution that we want to work with everyone on. 
And that's something that we're already starting to have those conversations and it's really focused on solving it for the customer. And I mean, I think it's also pretty amazing to see all these ISVs or independent software vendors. I mean, like some of the biggest companies in the world, like SAP, I mean, they're working with us because ONTAP is a key component in the reference architecture. And the need for instant access to clones or instant snapshots, it actually becomes more relevant in a Kubernetes fast-paced environment than it used to be in a legacy environment. So that's where we are working and getting feedback from them and working on cases where we were actually surprised that they were actually going down the path of, of containerizing those environments. So we, it's, a, it's, a, it's, 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 I mean, we are, we are learning a lot from our preview customers, both from their needs and their sort of future, uh, you know, aspirations, what they want to do. I mean, you have to be insane to build a three-tiered application today. I have a question for Jeff because we're talking about application data management and I was in PS at one point and I've implemented every integra- every version of Snap Manager or Snap Sensor or you know Snap Flex whatever. I mean is this is this kind of like Snap Manager for Kubernetes is that kind of part of the direction and, and the thinking I, I kind of want to pick your brain on that. I think if you're somebody who knows those products, that is probably a pretty good analogy. Um, But I think we're going further here. So we're taking that same expertise, that same, you know, those same rock abilities, like uh, Yancey said, be able to snapshot or clone or or replicate data and and doing that in an application integrated way. I think the thing that's fundamentally different or, or even more exciting about this approach is that because of the nature of Kubernetes, uh, applications are, you know, based on microservices. They're multifaceted. There are multiple components to, to them. So rather than just saying, "Hey, I have a Snap Manager for Exchange or for Oracle," this is the, the Kubernetes by its very nature, and then the technology that we're building for application integration allows us to discover all of the components of that application. You know, as many as there are, all the stateful components, and then provide application data management at that level, which is really the level that's meaningful to the person that, that's deploying that, that whole uh, application. It's not just focused on, say, a database admin. It's focused on the application owner across the whole set of microservices in this multifaceted application. So I think that's the thing that's really powerful about what we're doing for Kubernetes, and it's also enabled by Kubernetes, and it's also just part of the way that people deploy in Kubernetes. So there's this really nice um, uh, convergence of, 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 of the need and the capability. I keep thinking about Lego because it's kind of like Legoifying of, of some of our data management capabilities. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's kind of like protecting the whole data, the whole Death Star and not just taking the pieces that, that fit into the Lego box. That's probably the worst analogy I've ever used in my life, but there you go. Who wants to protect the Death Star? <laughs> who, who, who wants to protect the Death Star? Exactly. Only the Lego version with thousands of pieces. Mm. So, Eric, we've talked a lot about the technical details of Project Astra as well as, you know, why it came to be. I want to know in this, you know, what I'd like for you to do is break it down based on who you'd be talking to, right? Because we talk to a lot of people in, in the IT environment, whether it's the CEO level or the, you know, the CTO level or the storage admin level or the application level. How are you presenting use cases that are relevant to those different levels? Like what are the use cases that people want to hear about with Project Astra? Yeah, let me focus on day one, right? Because I think there's a day one problem that we want to make sure we are communicating, engaging on. And that's from a Kubernetes administrator point of view. Somebody who day in, day out thinks, how do I 
launch, how to run, how to make Kubernetes operational. And they're probably working with the application team. And the application team is saying, I want to run all these workloads. Like, how do they partner in that conversation? That's the kind of people that we think are going to respond or have been responding if I look back on all the interviews and conversations we're having. And the use cases for them are, I have a set of databases and data stores, and maybe they produce the ability to have an end-to-end experience for uh, a, a real-time pipeline. I'm doing data processing as a collect process store application. And so they're looking at ingesting with Kafka, processing with Spark, or processing with some other form of compute and storing in some data store. That collect process store is a use case, and it's important, and it applies to almost every vertical, right? Banking does it for fraud detection. Uh, others do it for sentiment analysis. And so that might be use case number one. Use case number two, besides a collect process store, would be probably around uh, providing data stores or giving people the flavors of Postgres, MySQL that they need, and how do I provide a, a database as a service of DBaaS backend that people oftentimes look at. And after that, it's there's a lot of cases where it's custom apps, and they need the ability to dynamically add creative volume, and that volume has to have all the properties that are protected, and then it goes into what they're trying to do. So it always starts with, I'm running Kubernetes. I want to broaden this of apps that I'm doing it for. And I also want the ability to do it for not that broad set, but I'm going to have best of class apps and a way to globally manage them. And that's where we're, we're working with people. That's day one. I, I think, you know, Kubernetes administrators have enough to think about and Astra plugs in and gives them all that capabilities through our software and, and, and as a service. That's the day one problem. I, I, uh, I kind of want to narrowly focus on that for now, if that makes sense. I think there's, there, there is a massive opportunity to the approach that we have taken and the, the pluggability that we built into it. Uh, we want on day two, not day one, for you to be able to, from that single Kubernetes deployment, manage and uh, uh, you, can, you can export this as the data store for your VMware environment to service your legacy three-tiered applications. You can uh, plug Sinter into it to service your OpenStack environments and even bare metal environments. And by that, you are making it easier to, uh, to uh, you know, transfer or modernize your workloads by moving the data set from your legacy uh, infrastructure into a modernized microservices environment. And that's, sort of a lot of, that's where a lot of people are struggling with and a lot of customers are struggling. And... Uh, uh, I mean, that sort of uh, uh, excites me. The future excites me. Not, I mean, I'm already past day one. <laughs> <You know. laughs> yeah, that, that's a good point, right? We're modernizing, but letting them keep their existing investments. I always like to uh, uh, talk about uh, what I call the true cloud concept. Uh, and this is where Project Astra is going to contribute a lot. Because... In my view, the true cloud concept means that you can find the perfect home for your application anywhere at any given time without changing the way you do your deployments. And in order to be able to do that, you have to have a seamless way no matter where that workload ends. And that means everything, your full application stack needs to be uh, in Kubernetes. And, uh, you know, if my application, I'm a startup or I'm a enterprise uh, 
company that created a new app, all of a sudden it takes off in Mexico. I want to be able to move that workload that I developed in in uh, in London to run in Mexico City in a heartbeat without having to change anything. That's the power of Kubernetes. But the mat the the the, the fact of the matter is an application stack isn't just stateless. You know, you have to store your state. And I love when Eric actually says in the analyst meeting meetings, uh, statefulness is an art. You know, an art that Kubernetes hasn't solved yet. Introducing Project Astra. No, I'm joking. There's so much from what Jeff started with about how we're able to containerize ONTAP and what that means from bringing all the things that people expect to ONTAP and bring it to a new audience. And, you know, I'm talking about the Kubernetes admin, and Yonzi is bringing up that there's more, right? There's more we can engage on. And so I think from a VMware perspective and your legacy investments, how do we provide all that rich data services? So one thing I'd ask is, you know, from the people listening to this podcast, just reach out to us, uh, jump on our sign-up page on cloudcentral.netf.com. And there we're asking those who want to work with us and we're doing user interviews, we're having people get early access. This is something we're shaping together and we wanted to launch it as a project because this is not something that we throw over the wall at the end of the day and say it's done. It's something that we're starting here and it has so much potential and we're being shaped by what others are asking. So get involved, reach out to us, find us some way, reach out to Phoebe and Justin uh, and they'll help us get connected. We think it's, it's a truly exciting time and we're only at the beginning. We'll look back and say, wow, we didn't know it'd go all the way from here to there. And so be part of that story. Reach out to us. And Justin, Phoebe, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for joining us. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Phoebe Go, Eric Hahn, Yonsi Stephenson, and Jeff Prem for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.